0: Welcome to Dialogue with State Senator Paul LaVota, your electronic town hall meeting. Join Senator LaVota, Independence Mayor Pro Tim Chris Whiting, and activist Courtney Cole (laughs) for this weekly discussion about Missouri government and politics. Now here's the Missouri State Senator from the 11th District, Paul LaVota.
1: It is March 26, 2015. This is State Senator Paul LaVota of the 11th Senatorial District, and you are listening to Dialogue. And uh, trying to get everything adjusted here, folks. And uh, I'm glad to be here. I am the state senator from the 11th Senatorial District, uh, Paul Lovato. I, just, I already said that, but I'm trying to get everything... To, um, this is a big, exciting show for me. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the show that talks about uh, political uh, happenings at the Capitol, what's going on around, around the state, and um, it's exciting. And I'm heck yeah, it very is. glad to be here with... Um, A good friend, really. Um, The Mayor Protav of Independence, he's in his second term on the city council. Um, He is a lifelong resident of Independence, father of two, and recently moved. Welcome to Chris Whiting. Welcome, Chris.
2: Wow. Well, thank you, and thank you for the uh, ring of adulation. (laughs) I appreciate that. It's it's, uh, certainly a pleasure for me to be here with you every week. Uh, You mentioned good friends. We go back to high school.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: My best friend since high school, pretty much my new best friend, yeah. and also the the senator from the 11th senatorial district, as you mentioned. But more than that, um, as I was reminded last night, you, you've got an uh, an over two decade career in politics. You spent uh, eight years in the House of Representatives That's down true. in Jefferson City, That's all true. Uh, eventually becoming the minority leader of the Democratic Party down there, Interesting. doing a lot of good, making things happen. And now you've uh, moved on up and become the, up. the senator. And uh, it's it's really a pleasure to be here. Thank you for well, having you. me on the program. Well, <laughs> well, thanks for being here every week. And That's it's right. a lot of fun to have it's that right. dialogue. And I'm also excited that we're here with
1: Courtney Cole, what? who is an activist, who is, uh, um, you know, she pushes a lot of good issues in our state and her own community. And, Courtney, thank you for being here.
4: Well, thanks for having me, Senator. I appreciate it and um here to add to what, to the program just, however i can you just know just
1: add as we as we do okay uh, i was uh told um by the listener um <laughs> this week <laughs> that you and i try to be funny mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. there's like these voices and people think that we're making voices well, no? It's we've got a studio and, of people, and yeah. so we'll be we'll be more responsible with that. I mean, we do have Gary the intern who likes to pipe in every once in a while, but we'll let him do what he wants to do. I sometimes. think that
2: just adds to the flavor of the
1: show, right? But I assure you, it's not us trying to. Gary be annoys silly. me. I'm
4: going to be honest. Okay. Gary uh-huh. really annoys me. Well, time,
1: so. that's that's for you to figure out with him. He's right over there. He's been handling the technical. Part of the show so far. You heard the phone ring. Yeah. We we'll have a special guest a little bit later, but we always start with
0: <laughs> We always start with news. Now the weekly news roundup brought to you by the good folks at Liberty Realty. Here's Chris Whiting.
2: <laughs> Thank you. I am Chris Whiting and this is your weekly news roundup. We're gonna start with a big one. Okay. Top issues await action when lawmakers hey, return.
3: You're, you're the one talking about a big one.
2: With the General Assembly reconvenes March 30th, thanks Gary, following its annual spring recess, all of the top issues of the 2015 legislative session will still be awaiting resolution. Spring recess serves as a symbolic midpoint to the 17 and a half week long session. But because it was held later than normal this year, lawmakers will have just seven weeks, roughly 30 legislative days, to wrap up business before the session ends at 6 p.m. on May 15th. When lawmakers left for break on March 19th, they had granted final passage to just three bills, a supplementary spending measure for the current fiscal year, legislation tweaking state election laws, and a bill granting taxpayer subsidies to dairy producers. Republicans overwhelmingly outnumber Democrats in both legislative chambers, 25 to 9 in the Senate, and 118, 44 to 1 in the House of Representatives. As a result... Thanks for the reminder. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Rub it in. Why don't right. you? As a result, the GOP sets the legislative agenda. Perhaps the highest they profile sure issue when the session began in January. Let me si- pause here for a second. Oh, so, sure.
1: So, you know, this, what you're reporting here is that at spring break, woohoo! <laughs> spring break time, which we're in now, and I've I've had the wonderful opportunity to be back here in Independence all week, which is oh, been nice. very nice. Sure. We've done a supplemental budget bill. A legislation tweaking state election laws and a bill granting taxpayer subsidies to dairy producers, also called Obamacal. What? Yeah. So that's
2: all we've done so far. Ooh. Doesn't sound like you guys have been real productive. No No. offense. Well,
1: you know, as you've stated, the GOP sets the legislative agenda.
2: I did state that. Go from there. All right. Perhaps the highest profile issue when the session began in January, instituting reforms to eliminate racial bias and establish fairness in the municipal justice system following last year's civil unrest in Ferguson, so far has made little progress. The Senate passed legislation on February 12th that would further limit how much revenue municipalities can generate from traffic fines and fees in an effort to discourage excessive and often unconstitutional ticketing practices. However, the House has yet to take any action on it.
1: And no action on it. No oh, action okay. on the most pressing issue in the state of Missouri. Yeah, I just... No action. And keep in mind, there's a lot of people in that house who criticized our governor for the exact same thing. Wait, for taking inaction on in the exact, exact same issue. issue. Just keep
2: that in mind. Okay. Okay. Back of mind as I continue to read. Okay. Uh. I'll start with the last sentence again. However, the House has yet to take any action on it. And although dozens of Ferguson-related bills have been filed, few have even been granted committee hearings. For the third straight year, it appears Republican lawmakers will again refuse to expand Medicaid el- eligibility in Missouri to 138%. Hey, oh, come on. Hey. What? Now that's... No, that's... We Gary. don't... That's a boo. We yeah, want a boo. That's not a clapper. Right. Uh, which translates to an annual... Inc- oh, to... To 138% of the federal <laughs> poverty level, which translates to an annual income of $32,500 for a family of four or $15,856 for an individual. Sound a clapper. No. Under the Affordable Care Act, the federal government would pay the full cost of the expansion until 2017 and at least 90% of the cost thereafter. By not expanding Medicaid, Missouri will lose another, get ready, $2 billion in federal funding and the economic stimulus and jobs it would provide to the state. Because of the Republican-controlled legislature's failure to expand Medicaid, two rural hospitals have already closed, SAC Sage Hospital in Olsciola and Missouri Rehabilitation Center in Mount Vernon. Others are expected to follow if the legislature continues to refuse the federal funding. For the
1: third straight year, I've sponsored legislation to expand Medicaid. My bill simply is a straight Medicaid expansion. It's the simplest, easiest way to do that. Um, I like to tell people that 34 other states have decided to do it in their own way. I'd be open to that. The last day of session last week on Thursday, there was protesters um, that were in the Capitol. We talked about it last week. Correct. Where they were talking about the need for uh, Medicaid expansion, but it's gone silent. Um, and I, so I spoke on the uh, Senate floor with a point of personal privilege saying that we need to have this action. Um, Thank you. And I'll keep pushing this. Um well as long as it takes, I guess. Uh, but this is just one of those uh things that we should be working on that we haven't done so far and uh uh hopefully after spring break we do. Well
2: keep being keep fighting the good fight.
1: Yeah. Is there any other remaining issues? Well or? um
2: Actually, there are. Thank you for bringing that up. Other remaining issues include passage of the $26.1 billion state operating budget for the upcoming 2016 fiscal year, affixed to the state's student transfer law, and possible consideration of taxpayer funding for a new football stadium for the St. Louis Rams. Yeah. So um,
1: your legislature, your state government at work is very similar to a college student who doesn't want to do their work, who waits till the very last part of the semester and crams it, and um, what you know tries to uh, get everything done at the last minute. Uh. So that's what will happen. There'll be a lot more news to report, and it, it will it will wind up, and uh, hopefully we get something done. Well, I can but so only, far only nothing. relate to that completely. Well, and what's what's frustrating is the 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 radicals that run the uh, General Assembly now last week. Kind of did some media, basically patting themselves on the back for doing nothing, and uh, (laughs) they're good at they're good at doing that. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, That was a that's a major story. That that was a that was the big one. one. Yeah, Yeah, that was the big one I was referring to. That was the big
2: one. Yeah. Um, Moving on to a more little little,
1: to to a smaller one. Yeah. Okay.
2: Attorney General Chris Coster dismisses eight cities from lawsuit. Three remain. Attorney General Chris Coster on March 24th dismissed another eight municipalities from a lawsuit he originally filed in December, alleging that many cities in North St. Louis County were in violation of a state law that prohibits them from deriving more than 30% of their annual budgets from traffic fines and fees. Legal action continues against three municipalities, Hillsdale, Moline Acres, and Normandy. We've heard about them in other stories. In a news release, Coster said the eight cities recently dropped from the lawsuit are now complying with the law. They are Bellarive Acres, Calverton Park, Hanley Hills, Kinlock, Salute, Uplands Park, Velda City, Velda Village Hills, and Venita Terrace. In all, Coster has sued seventeen cities for allegedly generating excessive revenue from tickets. Six others were dismissed as defendants in January after coming into compliance. Uh, these
1: are are mostly in North St. Louis County. And, um, you know, you you can look at this issue that the um, municipalities have been uh, abusing their ability to get uh, fines and fees through law enforcement. Um, I read something this week that in Ferguson, particularly, there's like 21,000 people that live there. Mm-hmm. There's 15,000 open uh, warrants oh on things. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So, I mean, that shows you how... Um, a uh, an abuse of the judicial system um, treats people wrong, and they uh,
2: they're not happy about it. And yet, we still haven't addressed that, even though right. that was the most pressing issue.
1: We we did we had a bill in the Senate uh, to give those guys a
2: little bit of credit, but in the House, we're still waiting. Wow. Well, folks, that's your weekly news roundup, brought to you by the good folks. At Liberty Realty,
4: they are good folks. Yes,
2: they are. They take care of all your real estate needs. Now
1: I'm very excited because we are uh, having a a guest uh, today, Um, Jason. Let me get him on the line here. Well, this is something, Um, uh, Jason Rosenbaum, who is a um, a uh, pretty well known. It's us. Calling him right now. Oh, and he's a uh, he's a journalist for the Capitol. Hello, hello, Jason. Yes. Hi, Sandra Lavota here. How are you? I, I'm good. How are you? Good. Are you ready to be talk on talk to us <laughs> on the dialogue program? Uh, I am. I am just getting out of a parking garage
3: right now. Just give me one minute.
1: Well, it's a busy it's a busy thing to be um, in demand journalist. I mean, I think of this man as the modern day Clark Kent. Um, you know. Well, actually,
2: I want in on this,
1: if oh. I may. Oh, you, huh? Yeah,
2: yeah. We interrupt
0: your program with breaking news.
2: This just in, new guest on the Dialogue program, Jason Rosenbaum. Since entering the enticing world of professional journalism in the mid-2000s, Jason Rosenbaum dove headfirst into the world of politics, policy, and even rock and roll music. A graduate of the University of Missouri School of Journalism, Rosenbaum spent more than four years in the Missouri State Capitol writing for the Columbia Daily Tribune, Missouri Lawyers Media, and the St. Louis Beacon. Since moving to St. Louis in 2010, Rosenbaum's work appeared in Missouri Lawyers Media, the St. Louis Business Journal, and in the Riverfront Times Music section. He also served on staff at the St. Louis Beacon as a politics or sometimes known as political reporter. Rosenbaum lives in St. Louis City with his wife Lauren Todd, an engineering librarian at Washington University. Their son Brandon Todd Rosenbaum was born in February 2014. So we're very excited to have
1: Jason on the dialogue program because the dialogue program is basically an elected official's point of view about what's going on. Sure you know there's all kinds of different programs where journalists will either say their opinion or interview a policymaker but the dialogue program turns that upside down and has the policymaker yeah, host the show. It so takes now that whole
2: premise inside
1: out. So now we got a little something different here. This is where the policymaker will be interviewing the journalist. What? So that's why I'm really glad Jason is here. Jason, are you there yet? Or
3: I, I, I am. I, I just pulled over on the side of the road to make sure that there wasn't any distracting car noise. By the way, that was a great introduction. I wonder who wrote that, by the way.
1: Well, <laughs> someone who put politics reporter as political reporter. So I'm not sure. So you, you have what I like to call the beat of Jefferson City. And you've been doing this for how long?
3: Well, professionally, I've been a state government reporter on and off since 2006, so about nine years.
1: Nine years. Now, is there anything particularly um, um, that strikes you that has been different since the time you started to what you do now? Well, I think the biggest difference, obviously, is the explosion
3: of social media and technology Ooh. and the way we tell our stories. But I started reporting in 2006 during that election cycle. I mean, the main conduit to propel information really quick were blogs. And mm-hmm. Twitter, I don't think, had been invented yet. I don't think Facebook was really used for news very much. Um, the idea that you could live stream something which it's true. in various different ways. And... Um, journalists do, too, because that's the way they convey information relatively quickly. That would be the thing that changed the
1: most. It's, it, 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 it's, and uh, divisive. Do you, do you find that, or has it always been that way? Well, well for
3: those, I mean, if you go back to 2006, 2007, I think that the mood in the legislature is a lot different than it was now. Because when you have a Republican governor and the legislature is kind of the—, the main battlefield um of whether things get passed or not i think it it really made things more combative between the two parties yeah because you you probably know now if something that your caucus really doesn't like is going through the legislature and it doesn't seem like there's enough votes to override veto chances are maybe not all the time you know you'll speak against the bill you'll condemn it very thoroughly but you may try to take your chances of letting it go through and, you know, seeing if Nixon can just veto it. Very bad. But I'm sure you knew in 2007 where that wasn't an option. I mean, there were just epic and sometimes really personal filibusters that were going on in the Senate that I think were were pretty nasty. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would say the discourse was, was not so nice back then either. Um, I think you would have to ask a more senior reporter of whether the discourse has changed over, like, the last 10, 20, 30 years. Well, but I would have to imagine the same sort of things were going on then as they are now.
1: Well, that, I mean, that that may be part of it, too, is that as I sit here with my 11th year in the legislature, and you're in about that amount of time uh, covering, we, we've we become the most senior people there. You know what I mean? So, uh it well, happens that I mean, way. Yeah,
3: I mean now, especially with Chris Kelly gone mm-hmm. for good, I would assume unless he oh. finds another way to get back. Oh, but. please help!
1: Yeah, please, <laughs> please, God help us all. You know, but you know he he, he always figures out a way to come back. But you're, I I think you're right. Um, and I think part of that had to do early on with that changing of the parties, and the um, each party not understanding their role in their new either minority or majority role. And um, so, I think you saw that a lot of that in the Senate. Now, when you talk about uh, using social media, you you're with the uh, Beacon, but really most of your stuff happens um, online, right? Would you say most of your mo- you reach most most of your readers or your uh, audience th- online? Well, a, a quick correction on
3: that: I'm actually with St. Louis Public Radio now. Okay. The Beacon is my is the is the, the former online publication i used to write for which merged with st louis public radio gotcha. NPR the here okay um and yeah i would say that it, you know since that merger it's become almost multi-platform i do on a semi-daily basis reports for the radio which is a lot different from the stuff that i do for the web which is a lot different from the stuff i do on twitter or anywhere else and um you know you've got to kind of think of different ways to tell the story to. Maybe it's the same audience, but it, they're, they're kind of ingesting the information in different ways. Mm-hmm. Like when they're looking on their Twitter feed, they want something concise or they want something visual, as opposed to if they're listening to something on the radio. They still want something concise, but they, they're they used to hearing it in a certain way, right. because that's the way radio stories have been done for, for a long time. And then on the web, sometimes people are used to going a little bit more in depth and mm-hmm. getting uh, um, more, um, you know, getting, getting a more robust informational selection, so to speak. So, you know, that I mean, that's another thing that's changed just with this particular situation. But I'm sure that a lot of capital reporters have to kind of go through a similar routine of telling their stories in different
1: ways, different ways, different levels, uh, almost in, in depth and bite size, in depth and in. Uh... Yeah. What what do you find as not to get into issues cuz you you cover the issues, but what what are the things that really draw your audience? Is that the, would, would that be the right word? It used to be readers, right? It's not listeners. So it's listeners, readers, yeah. audience. I
3: would say audience is a good
1: word. Okay. Audience is a good word. So what what are the things that really spark your yeah. audience cuz yeah. cuz now you can, you know, in, instantaneously get feedback from the audience. Um, like an old newspaper couldn't do. What is it, th- those yeah. things that spark folks? Well, it,
3: it's interesting that you mentioned that, because I think one of the yeah. seminal moments that I, I remember about <laughs> the early days of my legislature was when former Senator Bartle was filibustering uh, Warren Urban domination to mm-hmm. the University of Missouri Board of Curators. And besides the issue at hand, one of the things that I found most striking was that Senator Bartle was handed a printed-out sheet of comments from the now-deceased Casey Buzz land lambasting uh-huh. his filibuster, and he read those comments on the floor. Yeah. Now, think about how things have changed since then. Like, could you imagine a situation where somebody would have to go through that procedural link to get feedback? Like, they'd have to actually, like, print out in paper form. I mean, now you can just get it on your phone. Right. And now you kind of know... Like exactly what people are thinking, because it's kind of the way. Also, the Senate kind of changed the rules up with phones and laptops, and it's kind of similar in a way that you know you, you kind of figure out what stories you are covering in the in the general assembly of the state political world. Because, as I'm sure you know, state politics is is, is somewhat of a niche department right. within the news. I think it, it, I think it's extremely important because it affects everybody's life, but you know, there's only a certain amount of people that are gonna follow it intently on a daily basis.
0: So mm-hmm. especially when a lot of us are, are kind of writing on somewhat
3: similar topics and stories, I think I always try to find ideas in general that other people may be doing but do it in a different way or try to answer some questions that I think are on the minds of some people within the political universe and do it in a way that's analytical, and I think that's fair, but not necessarily opinionated, because as you mentioned, I think one of the ways I think you're able to keep a lot of credibility with a large group of people, especially in a divided state like Missouri, is you got to give all sides a fair shake. And, you know, just as I'm appearing on your show, I've appeared to have been part of Republican groups before, Democratic groups before, and you just got to kind of keep in, in Contact with all the players just to get a robust
1: picture. If that makes sense, yeah. And you know what is interesting is um, with the there is less. I I guess I would say this: uh, the reason we have this podcast and town hall meetings and the things I do is because I want to reach out and try to educate and inform folks what's going on in Jefferson City. Because the old way of people knowing through the newspaper. Uh, especially the Kansas City Star had so many different reporters down there, and the, even the news channels, TV news, they don't cover it at all. And that's why I think it's important for elected officials to reach out there. But with that said, now you can get online and, and read Jason's stories all the time, even though you don't live in St. Louis. You know, so it, it is a it is a different world. I. I I get frustrated that there's not a lot, enough coverage of things that are going on in Jefferson City. Um, I don't know. If, do you do you do you hear that, Jason, or do you? Am I just thinking well, out, I thinking mean, out, thinking uh, out what I say is important and people should hear it?
3: Uh, oh yeah, well, yeah. There has been some concern that the amount of coverage of Jefferson City, the, uh, legislation and politics and government, has kind of declined. In recent years, I think, I, I don't know the exact number of outlets that are covering the legislature now, but I'm sure it's somewhat less than when I started in 2010. Yeah. Part of that has to do with economics. I mean, newspapers have constricted dramatically Ouch. over the last 10 years, um, and unfortunately, when you're talking about stories that, you know, get a large critical mass of media interested it usually has to reach a pretty enormous threshold. Like the example that I give is when Governor Blunt decided not to run for the election, you saw pretty much
1: every news outlet the state in the Capitol. Yeah. Whereas during the Mohila filibuster
3: in two thousand seven, I'm sure that brings back a lot of memories right there. Right. It was basically the basically the people that covered the Capitol that were covering that, even though I thought that was a pretty important still at the time for Columbia, and Mid-Missouri, and elsewhere. So, you know, I think therein lies the problem. Like, in order to reach a mass audience, it has to reach a threshold. And even though that threshold may not, even though things under that threshold may still be Mm important, if you understand what I'm saying, so...
1: Now, now, you do um, a podcast, Politically Speaking, yes. every week, and, and I think this is a rarity where I know that you've been really interested in kind of, I guess, get on our coattails, on our podcast coattails, uh-huh. to build your audience. So, I don't know, did did Johnny Carson ever have, like, Joey Bishop on a show? I don't remember oh, this. Yeah, so yeah,
3: I, 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 when, I, when I saw you in Jefferson City last week, you are trying to, like, goad me into. the uh, Fostering a rivalry between our podcast, well, I think a, that lot
1: would, of are, a lot of people are. A lot of people have. A lot of people aren't familiar with your your you know your constant um, tweets saying we're coming after you. Dialogue, um, the things that happen on <laughs> on um, politically speaking that we're we're not just having a dialogue. We're speaking things. You know, I, they say things like that, Chris. It's I you know, hear it all the time. So so I to the new to I, I hopefully a lot of the, our listeners, the hundreds and ones of our <laughs> listeners will, will join in there. But um, I think that's a pretty valuable thing that you do. I, I think, um, do you, what kind of feedback do you get off that podcast? Cause, because we're I all new they, in the podcast. We used to do this program on, on what they call terrestrial radio. Mm-hmm. Courtney, you're familiar with that. You're an older person. Um, yeah, I'm old, thanks. So, but we do this new thing. So what kind of reaction have you got to that?
3: Well, Politically speaking has been a thing since middle of 2012, but we basically started having guests on every week in June of 2013 and you know, the reaction to each show kind of depends on the guests. Like, we have a St. Louis City Alderman on. Mm -hmm. I think it's fair to say that somebody who lives in Kansas City, or of Oz, Missouri, I I pronounced that correctly this time, may not be super interested in that episode because it doesn't affect them, but we have had instances where we've had statewide and congressional figures on the show, and even some of the episodes where we have somebody who's not like the highest person on the political food chain, they're usually pretty interesting because they usually have an interesting story to tell about how they got to their, their particular position he's referring he's um, referring to
1: me guys clearly on this one yeah, <laughs> the I mean, the, the interesting story and the not very high on the political food chain gave no, it away but I mean, can't when argue you were that on our
3: show, for example you got to explain kind of in detail your political path and how it wasn't always successful but how what? you eventually were able to succeed and succeed and to succeed yeah That's you lost the point where you have your own podcast
1: basically. right
3: so yeah. You know, and, I, and I didn't mean that as a slight, because we've had people on our show who have lost elections and then came back to win. Okay. And they've often talked about how their prior experiences made them better candidates and better politicians. And that includes someone like Claire McCapsule, mm-hmm. who obviously lost in 2004 and then came back to win in 2006 and is now arguably like the most powerful Democratic official right. in the state. So yeah. You're definitely in that category. Yeah, well well
1: monitor. thanks. And I, I think I think it's an important to, to share those stories too and let you let people know where you where you came from, why it's powerful and, and I'm glad you do that with politically speaking. I'm thinking about listening to a full episode someday. Now you had you had you had, a, you had a question, Courtney?
4: Yeah, I have a question, Jason. Are you there? Uh Yes. Okay. So my question is you've interviewed all these great people here in our state and all these leaders. Who's been your favorite? Kind of who stood out to you as somebody that you really enjoyed doing the show with?
3: Well, I I think about that... That's a great question. Yeah, and and, and, and Senator Lovato, who I enjoyed immensely.
4: (laughs) Very good, Uh, Good very good. I'm not even
1: being facetious. Uh Uh
3: Uh, But, you know, sometimes I'm going to just pick two from each party for now, and I'm not saying this is my favorite because all of them have their pluses and minuses, but... We did interview Senator McCaskill, I think in 2013, and Senator McCaskill is interviewed all the time by local and national media uh, folks, but one of the things that we did for the first 10 or 15 minutes of the podcast was really talk about her background mm-hmm. and kind of her early days in politics and mm-hmm. kind of the struggle she faced in, in the male-dominated General Assembly in the 80s, and I'm sure that's going to be... She's coming out with a book in July, which I'm very eager to read, I always like reading anything written by a Missouri political figure, and, you know, I'm sure that's going to be part of it, and I think that that really, it was a really engaging and introspective conversation on somebody who has reached, I think, the highest pinnacle of Missouri politics. The other one that I now, particularly
1: Let me, can I add in, let yeah. me, I want to get in on that, just that, sure. you know, I listened to that one, and I've known Senator McCaskill uh, since she ran for county legislatures after she was in the House um well over 20 years almost 30 years ago really if you think I, I don't have a, i don't have a calculator but it's been a long time sure. but i didn't know some of those stories and and it was it was pretty powerful i even made my uh, oldest daughter who is a university of missouri journalism student by the way just throw that in there jason Amazing. but i made her listen Amazing. to that because it, it's a pretty powerful story of of how far um, we've come politically and how far women have come so yeah, good yeah. job on that one Kudos.
3: Yeah, yeah, I love it. Thank you. Thanks and, for sharing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the other one that I want to point as a Republican one is uh, former House Speaker Steve Tilly.
0: Mm. And we interviewed
3: him after he had resigned and after he had become um, a lobbyist. But he was able to talk about each part of his career, even the controversial moments, pretty candidly. And I think that, you know, obviously... You know, when you're out of office or if you're not in elected office, you have the opportunity to do that more often. Mm -hmm. But I really appreciated how pretty much nothing was off limits. We were able to kind of delve into his speakership pretty deeply. And, you know, you've got to respect somebody from either party that's willing to to face some tough questions and after the interview is, is willing to, you know... Come back again, and that one really sticks out to me as, as being a good one um, for the again the introspective yeah we've had we've had other good ones as well. I don't want to say those are the best or the worst,
1: but I just, but but it allows it at least. Stick
3: out of, stick, those ones stick out.
1: Yeah, right? it allows you to go in depth. So so I, I appreciate your time. We do have to ask you the three important questions, of course. Sure. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Dialogue proudly presents three revealing questions. Okay, three revealing questions for our our guest. Number one. Number one. Who, and and I usually ask this to other policymakers, okay? Politicians, but I'm going to ask you. Sure. Who is the politician or political person that you admire the most of all time?
3: Of all time. Um, well, I admire... Oh, that's a tough one. Well, mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm originally from Illinois, so obviously I, I admire someone like Abraham Lincoln after reading throughout his history. I admire mm-hmm. former President William McKinley quite a bit.
1: Hmm.
3: Um, you know, after reading how he went through his very eventful presidency and also had some, you know, the added trauma of his wife's illness, I, I, I think that's a compelling situation. Um, Interesting. You know, I would just say those two for now, okay. and not because they're Republicans or Democrats, but just because they dealt with very challenging foreign policy situations while dealing with, uh, um, you know, personal trivials as well.
1: Okay, Jason, I'm sorry. The answer on this program is always Harry Truman. The <laughs> answer is always oh. Harry Truman. No, no, I'm just teasing. That's a good answer. Yeah, I've read a lot about Lincoln and um, the, the the struggles that we face nowadays. We, we think they're so uh, consuming, and they, have not, they don't even compare to the things that uh, some of our great leaders have had to deal with. So the second yeah. question for you, Jason, is if you could just do one thing, usually I ask one public policy thing um, if, with a magic wand to get it done, what would you do? So I ask you, if you could just do, accomplish one thing, without any effort, what would it be?
3: Besides, like, world peace or giving myself a trillion dollars or something No, I mean,
1: maybe that's Um, it for you.
3: I don't judge you. I'm not not that uh, ambitious. uh, If I guess I could do one thing, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, be the best husband and father that I can be for my Mm -hmm. wife and children and continue to be in a profession that I love, which is journalism.
1: Excellent, excellent. Any advice for the, the future journalist?
3: I think that the, the best advice that I can give, give any journalist is the technology and the way news is conveyed is going to change a lot, but the basic elements of journalism, which include fairness, accuracy, and just inquisitiveness, will always be in style, and um, just make sure that you always include the word shenanigans in oh, the story. I was
1: going to mention that, but let me ask you my last question. When you're done with your career, how do you want to be remembered?
3: I think that I want to be remembered not only for embracing some of the technological things, like earlier in my career, it was blogs. In the middle of my career, it was uh, Twitter and social media. I guess now it's kind of more conventional radio and more highfalutin things. But I think that I just want to be remembered as somebody who covered politics with a lot of depth and provided the necessary information to people
1: to know what their government was doing. All right, thank you, thank you very much. Yay! yay, yay! You answered the three questions. Now the shenanigans.
3: Yes.
1: So I'm at a press conference, and the Republicans are doing some stuff with the budget, and I called shenanigans on them. Whoa. Sometimes.
3: Yeah. I, think that the, I think that the exact story is you were actually at a committee hearing. <laughs> and I think that you were, I think you were, well, I don't know, you were probably a specific minority leader at that time, I guess you were an ex-officio of all the committees.
1: Oh, that's, and, you better believe um, it. Or you might
3: have been a minority leader, I don't remember exactly. And you, you there was some budget thing mm-hmm. with Alan it and, that's right. you know, the late Ed Robb. I don't exactly remember what it was, but. You said something along the lines of "There's," I think there's, there's some shenanigans going on along here. And I, what I said was like, "It's always been linked
1: to you." What I said oh, was, no. "I call shenanigans on what you're doing," and uh, yeah. so now Jason has to try to incorporate that as much as possible. I even got a nice tweet saying, "I hope you call some shenanigans on your birthday, Senator." Yeah. <laughs> so, well, so
3: yeah, that is the context for that. It's like a six or seven year old joke. It's just like when we had Jake Zimmerman. On our podcast, and mentioned that he liked the Mountain Goats based
1: off an email he sent to me seven years ago. So I remember this thing. <laughs> Leave it to Jake. Well, thank you very much. This is very interesting, and um, I urge everyone to listen to... Just give him some love. I mean, yeah, I know people like to listen to the, the Dialogue podcast constantly over and over again, but sometimes listen to it politically speaking.
2: Well, since, since you can listen to either program at any time, I suppose we can yeah. give our listeners
1: permission permission okay yeah to listen to politically okay. speaking yeah,
3: try it out have to try it the out. city on quite often so, and plus the program goes across the entire world that's true that's city true <laughs>
1: well thanks a lot jason i really appreciate it You're very all right take You're care and welcome, and have a good day you too that right. was jason Rosenbaum from the St. Louis radio, public radio, public radio, there, yeah, the National beacon radio. and everything really in cool. there. Really What'd cool. you think, guys? Oh,
2: yeah. he was brief. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> God, even <laughs> <whiting> the to just.
4: <laughs> I thought it was great. I thought it was great.
2: It was. It was very informative. Yeah. I learned a lot.
4: Yeah. 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 Oh. Yeah. Good. Well, you know. I we, really w- like enjoyed watching what Jason has come up with and what the different ways in which he reports, and um, I think he's right. Like he came at a time when the technology was changing, and so there's a lot of uh, a lot of new elements to consider, and I think he takes advantage of those. So I think that's cool. I,
1: and, and that's the and that's really the key, I would think, um, with journalism of the future, and really anything, is to try to stay on top of how you can communicate with people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of communication, Chris, you've been sitting over there quiet, right? You've been d- Chomping at the bit to tell us what's going on in Independence. Oh and, boy! And by yeah, the I way, am. and I should I should call him back to be fair, but he'll be listening to this. <laughs> you know, I don't. You know, when he said that, you know, you get some councilman on, no one really cares, right? So that's this. This is our part of the program <laughs> when that happens. So no, I think everyone's interested in what's going on in the city of Independence. Well, certainly our Worldwide. listeners
2: in this area are interested. So a few things I want to share. Mm-hmm. Uh, today. One, I probably should have mentioned this before, but this was a big deal. He probably now, should have. Now, we're at Thursday, March 26th today, right? Yes. Today when we're recording this. Right. On March 9th at our study session, uh, the, the uh, police chief gave out awards for uh, meritorious service awards, special unit citation, and life-saving awards to officers, and it was... It was a really touching ceremony. Really? It was really cool to to hear, because I'm not going to do it today, but each officer that received an award, they told the story of how they got that award, the the life that they saved and who they impacted. Oh,
4: wow. That's cool. And
2: I I just want to at least share the names of the officers that were given awards, because it's a big deal. So uh, special unit citations were given to Officer Harold Eccles, Officer Gary Starks, Officer Billy Pope, and Officer John Syme and the meritorious service award was presented to officer jonathan hollingshead and then nine recipients of what (laughs) of the life-saving award Uh, it was given to sergeant vincent bass sergeant john howell officer wendy Winans, officer jason smith officer catherine kelly officer james combs officer kelly rupert officer travis gilliam gilly i'm sorry gillihan and finally, really, re- g- yeah, a little Gilly. Hand. Yeah, oh, yeah i nice. Oh, gotta love Gilly. Yeah. And finally, receiving it for the third time, his third life-saving award. Oh, wow. Officer Brian Flavin.
4: Wow, good for wow. him. That's
2: yeah, awesome. that's great for him, and
4: he's like a real hero. I mean, he just—it it was saves amazing
2: people. to hear how many, you know, officers that you see on the beats, or, or you mm-hmm. just might see them out at the mall yeah. with their family, but. They are heroes. They mm-hmm. are they right. are first responders. They put their lives on the line to protect our lives and they need to be recognized. I so, think
4: it's great that you recognized them.
2: Well, thank you. They I mean they they did a great job and they deserve more than just a, a mention on dialogue, but Oh. Is this music yeah. bad?
1: Yeah, because they're heroes, you know what I mean?
2: Oh yeah. And uh, This is inspirational. And you do this every year, right? We do this every year and it's at a study session in March every year. And we we recognize the police. All of them are doing great things, but we recognize the ones who've been put in extraordinary circumstances and responded well.
1: Um, You you um. Come on, Gary. There there is a uh, there's a breakfast that you honor them later in the year too, right? Yes,
2: there is. We we honor. All of the first responders. This was just for police officers, but we do have a breakfast
3: with
4: where donuts?
2: we we honor. Actually, it's with eggs and bacon Ooh. and the whole nine yards. Wow! Yeah. Wow! Gravy and coffee too. Mm, sounds good. But we honor our be a
4: hero.
2: Uh, folks from uh, AMR. They're the company we contract with that runs our ambulance service, firefighters, and police. That's so, great. Uh, yeah, that's great. And, and that will happen later. Yeah. There goes my hero. Woo!
4: Yeah! Yeah! What is going on
1: right now? There goes my heroes. Okay. Good so, job on the heroes. That's yeah,
2: awesome. so anyway, congrats to them. Good job. A couple other things I want to mention. On the heroes, what uh, I said. <laughs> I, I talked last week about how we had the NAIA tournament, uh, yeah. Division I Women's Tournament in Independence. Mm-hmm. Very well received. That is wrapped up. Congratulations to Oklahoma City University, who were the champions of the tournament.
1: OC O-C-O-C-K-O-K-C-O-K-C-C, Wait. O C U. O.
2: O-C- oh. Yeah. You are making two. O K C U. It could be yeah. I think they just go by OCU. Oh, okay. But yeah. Oklahoma City University. Yeah. Uh, I think and I may have this wrong, but I think it was their eighth national championship. Wow. So they're a perennial powerhouse. And I actually got to see them play in one of the earlier games, and they were very impressive. But uh, the response was overwhelmingly positive. We will have this event again next year. And right now, uh, the plan is to bid to get it uh, years down the road and make it a long-term event. But to be fiscally responsible, we certainly need to gather numbers and see what kind of economic impact this had before we get too far ahead of ourselves. Um, Overall, though, I think... Think it was great. At least public perception-wise, it was fantastic. But we're going to get hard numbers to either back that up or debunk it going good forward. Job. Yeah. Cool.
4: very good.
1: And Caddie didn't win.
2: No, Caddie College didn't win. Aww, but sorry, comments. Go, go, Comets! Though. Yeah. We'll get it next time. Yeah, I think so too. A couple other things, <laughs> two quick ones. One, one of the the things that we're looking at that I'm pretty excited about. Uh, you know, we have the the innovation center in independence, we which sure is our, our business incubator. Mm-hmm. And it caters primarily to, to kitchen companies, so food companies. Sounds good. The, the problem we've had, it, it's a great business incubator, but we're not getting businesses leaving there and then planning their roots in independence, which is where the economic growth and development takes place. So the reason is because we don't have any packaging facilities in Independence. Oh. So when they, they graduate and they need to go produce whatever their product is, there's no place in Independence or around it to package their products and get it out. So we are looking to uh, to partner as a city with uh, private investors and find a packaging facility that would be like a graduate school oh, cool. for people that leave the Innovation Center and then they can can get up and running and then locate an independence and contract out with that facility. That's great. Yeah. So just just the one idea. I talk about economic development a lot. That's a concrete idea that we are pursuing right now that would help with that. One last thing. I want to give a shout-out to my city. Had a wonderful experience this morning. Had to get up extra early. I was tired, a little, little sick following yeah. my move that you mentioned at the first of the program. Yeah. Had to take my daughter to an early morning meeting at school. And I thought, boy, I just want to. I'm, I'm my tired. daughter woke up and drove herself. Yeah, it was y- so nice. You brag about that. And actually, <laughs> and I said, "Why are
1: you up so early?" She goes, "Student council meeting." Mm-hmm.
2: So anyway, and she, your daughter, yeah, told her, my daughter, <laughs> that she, my daughter, <laughs> needed to go to the student council meeting with her. to see her, your daughter. Yeah. So my daughter, so her, needed to ride. Her, my daughter, told she, your daughter, yes, to go to the student council meeting. So he and she. Her and she could talk. Right. But unfortunately, my daughter, she can't drive, so he, myself, had to get up and take her. I wanted a cup of coffee. I was tired. My throat hurt. I was cranky. And I went through the Starbucks drive mm,
1: That Sounds good. And I
2: was going to pick up my beverage, and the woman goes, this is Starbucks on 23rd Street and Independence, the driver in front of you bought your drink this morning.
4: Oh, wow. And now,
1: what did you do? Because this happened to me a uh, couple months ago. I, I'll I'm
2: glad ta- you
4: got the coffee I got you. <laughs> <laughs> it was
2: you. The, it was so nice. I, I was taken aback, and I said, my gosh, can I pay for the person behind me? Oh, cool. And she said, well, of course you can. Their drink is $4.37. Mine was $2.17. Mm-hmm. So I got the the run the deal on that, but I don't even care
3: <laughs>
2: because it made my day that yeah. somebody bought my coffee for me. Cool. That happened to me
1: um, over here at... Uh, 40 Highway, huh. exact same thing. Someone's oh. already got it. I go, really? Because I'm going to get the person behind <laughs> me. That'll be $30, please. <laughs> no. I'm like, whatever. I got. I can take care of this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And they also told me it was like a string of five people kept doing that. Oh, so I okay, that's out. awesome. Continuous. I wonder how far it went out.
2: Well, I wondered the same thing. Like, how long will this go on? Mm-hmm. Um,
1: where, it, is this? where is this? Which one? On 23rd Street? On 23rd Street. 23rd Street. I'm going to go there when we're done and- and see if it's still going, and then just totally break the tank <laughs> <laughs> and drive off yeah.
2: with your free Starbucks. Yeah. So that's uh, that's all I have. It's good time. Now. That's
1: it. All right. Well, big, I think that's uh, I think that's plenty. Um, what? Since the uh, talk about brief. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Courtney.
4: Yes. You've.
1: I know I you were taking notes mm-hmm. when Jason Rosemont was talking. Was. You were doodling i you were feel like doodling, i have a
4: lot to learn from him you
1: were dueling the word shenanigans over and over again right right what, what do you have to add tonight today
4: um well i just thought i'd talk about some things that are coming up here oh, in the area
1: okay do i have to get my
4: oh yeah if i could have some intro that okay. would be nice okay so uh oh wait i gotta to listen to it. yeah wait. it's the whole All right i like it
0: thank it's now time for your weekly community calendar. Brought to you by the Chrysler Building in Independence. Here's Courtney Cole. Aw, oh, Courtney.
4: Hello, everyone. This is Hi, Courtney Cor- Cole. Oh. And I'm hey. ready to <laughs> tell you about what's going on.
3: Yeah, you do it, Ms. Cole. I
4: will. Thanks, Gary. So uh, Jackson County Democratic uh, Committee is having their Truman Days. They have this annually each year, and it's coming up um, May 8th and 9th. It'll be at the Holiday Inn here in Kansas City, so... Everybody needs to check that out. You can go to TrumanDays.com and uh, get more information about that that. if you'd like. Make sure
1: I'm there.
4: Very good. Uh, What else is going on? Um, We've got the... Hang on one second. Sorry, I scrolled down too far. There's going to be a first annual fire versus police disaster relief drive that's happening on wednesday april the 1st in all local communities in the kansas city metropolitan area so i've been invited to that wow. yeah sounds interesting oh, okay. um and then on sunday we've
1: I mean, we been invited to it or just you oh i mean we wow. like to yeah go. no you're lie, invited <laughs>
4: yeah no um and then jo-
2: holy cow,
4: jolie justice having a fundraiser oh excellent yeah justice for families gonna have a fundraiser on sunday at two o'clock She's Whirlwind. running.
1: She's running for uh, city council. Uh, I District. was able to serve with, with Senator Justice uh, yes. for two years, and she was in a, a great senator. And I think she'll be an even better city council person. What? Yeah, yeah.
4: I agree. And then uh, Kirkpatrick dinner is this Saturday at five o'clock at the UCM Elliot Student Union in Warrensburg. Now, are you going to that? Um, I'm not going to that. I have something that conflicts. Unfortunately,
1: well, I am unable to go. But the good news is, there's. Well, I mean. It's kind of a secret, but there's going to be a resolution given to the honoree oh. introduced by one state senator from the 11th senatorial district.
4: Wow! Oh. All right, very well, cool. I wonder which one. So, yeah. I mean,
1: yeah. I don't want to give it away, but
4: okay. So, well, okay. Well, I wish I was. I wish I, I was able go. to attend. I right. know you have.
1: I know you have some roots down in that area. I do. A
4: little, um. Yep. So
1: I bet. Uh, Got
4: some friends down there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's really all that's going on But before I turn it over I want to say that last night We had a birthday fundraiser For you, Senator Voto Oh, well thank you And um, <laughs> it was packed It was it was packed, it was awesome yeah, we um, I was really glad to see all of those That came out for the event um, It was a huge success And uh, you got a lot of great support had, here
1: had, had a nice event at Tim's Pizza Which is
2: delicious Oh, by it's the way. good pizza
4: we figured, we, we
1: figured out that at least, at least probably 21 years, we've I've had a fundraiser there around my birthday.
2: Heavens to Betsy.
1: And you did a great job organizing everything for me, Courtney. It was thank quite you. A, a lot bet. of people there. And thank you for coming, Councilman. Appreciate it. Oh, wouldn't miss it. Um,
4: yeah, it was great. So I'll have pictures up later. Pizza? I'm working on them now. So yeah. So. We should have those up soon. Senator, why don't you tell us what you got going on?
1: Well, I'd be glad to, Courtney. Well, great. And I'm glad that um, you mentioned that because. You know, last week I was able to um, meet with the Independence Chamber of Commerce with their uh, monthly legislative breakfast and give them what's going on. Tell them yeah. what's up. Tell them mm-hmm. you what's know, Answer some Jonathan the Zurich questions. And I wasn't afraid. <laughs> and uh, that was nice. And then had a, a nice lunch meeting with a, a uh, one of the community college uh, curators and the chief of staff for the uh, city of Kansas City. So. Uh, just kind of update on some issues. Then I was able to present a resolution to the Fort Osage cheer team who won a national championship um, a few months ago. Heard about that. And they had, it was a lot of fun. They um, had a big pep rally recognizing not only their student athletes, but their, um, their uh, academic um, teams debate and also music and all, all kinds of stuff. And, the principal out there was amazing. He gets everyone going, yelling, we are a fort, as loud as they can. and It was a lot of fun, and I was really honored that I was able to present to them. Cool. Go Indians. Good job. And then this week was spring break, so I had a lot of uh, quality time at home mm-hmm. here in Independence. And, uh, Did you open we, the pool yet? Haven't opened the pool yet. No. We'll, we'll be having uh, dialogue uh Podcast from the Poolside. Ooh, oh. I like that. Um, Tropical. So so worked on some issues. Um, was able to. I went on a uh, on a outside of the area to work with uh, another uh, Chamber of Commerce to see how they run to, to maybe I can incorporate some of those ideas back hmm. to the area. Great. Um, then um, um, today held, uh, went to the, the uh, next meeting of the Super Bowl Task Force. If you remember, I passed legislation last year that established a, asked the Department of Economic Development to establish a task force to look at those needs for um, bringing a, a, a Super Bowl. And, boy, we have a long way to go, but the, there's representatives from the city of Kansas City, Jackson County Sports Authority, the Chiefs, Sports Commission, uh, Tourism, EcoDevo, um, Visit KC, Convention and Visitors Association, private business of uh, winery, um, and trying to develop a plan to uh, really—not really a plan to get the Super Bowl, but more of a let's identify what we need to get a Super Bowl. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. let's get our ducks mm-hmm.
1: in a row. Yeah, kind of what a plan to make a plan, as it were. And and I planning was planning is important. I, think I it's was good. very um, encouraged by just the the conversation and the. The commitment, we all know it's a a long-term goal. We have to be strategic about it. Um, But um, the idea is rolling around in people's heads, and and I think that's the type of vision. Well, you're certainly getting all the players to the table. That we need. Yeah, yeah. And so um, next week is we'll be back in Jefferson City. We'll be hitting it, what I like to say, hitting it hard back into the session and uh, having a few hearings of some important legislation and then probably lots of time um, on the floor um, doing those things that we need to do but I'm excited about coming back here next week to do another dialogue program. Oh, I can't wait.
4: I know, I'm really excited too.
2: Yep.
1: So, um I'm sure there's other things we could share with you but we've had such an interesting show. Jason oh. was great. That was yeah. really nice to Jason. Very nice. Um, and we'll put some, I'll, I'll do on the Twitter and the Facebook ways you can listen to Jason and Stuff. if there's anyone who listens to us who want to listen to him. But anyway, thanks for joining us for, for dialogue. I don't know if he had anything to add, Courtney.
4: Just that it's a great show.
1: Chris, anything
4: else?
2: I really think this is one of our best.
0: has been produced by Courtney Cole, Chris Whiting, and Paul LaVota. All rights reserved. Thanks again for listening to Dialogue with State Senator Paul LaVota. Contact Paul on Twitter at Paul LaVota or by email at votelavota at hotmail.com with your comments or for syndication. Join us next week for more Dialogue.